0: Shit, shit, shit show. It's a fucking
1: shit show. Shit show. Hello, my dearest shit shows. Happy shit show Saturday or whatever damn day you're listening to this too. But let's be honest, for an adult child, it is shit show every damn day. <laughs> if it ends in day, it is a shit show day. Uh, it is 10, 20 p.m. on Friday night. I just finished editing this interview that I'm about to play for y'all so I had to do this in in an airport guys so I went to go visit my grandmother this week I was supposed to fly back last night but my initial flight got delayed I was gonna miss my connection so I had to stay an extra night and the only time that I was gonna be able to do this today was during my my layover in San Diego there's there was nowhere quiet to go uh so I just spent a really long time editing this so that you don't have to hear, um, you know, people just saying, like, now it's time for uh, A31 to A60 to board. <laughs> um, so, yes, I just wanted to give you a heads up about that. I want you to know, though, I spend every week, I spend a lot of time editing the interviews so that it is the most pleasurable Experience for your ears. So I tried my best today. Um, It might not be great, but it's good enough. Uh, And I also just want to say, so I went to visit my grandmother, as I said. And um, you know, I've never been particularly close with her. She's she's 85. Uh, She has Parkinson's. She she's had it for a while, but I would say it's been in the past few years where it's really gotten bad. And um, I haven't seen her in a couple years. So, but she's still sharp as shit. And um, I said that we were never particularly close because I never, we never lived near each other. Uh, So, you know, the most I would see her would be once or twice a year. But I would say in the past few years, her and I have developed this stronger bond and this deeper connection, Kind kind of rooted in the progression of the disease of alcoholism and, you know, the disease of family dysfunction, you know, kind of as a result of the craziness and the sickness and the disease, her and I have been able to cultivate this, this kind of special relationship and connect on a level that um, I've never connected with her on. So that is one positive of all this, of all this mess. So um, I also wanted to read you guys the reading from Language of Letting Go from today. May 6th, Um, even though when you're listening to this, it's going to be after May 6th, but it is called, titled, Feeling Good, okay? So it says, make yourself feel good. It's our job to make ourselves feel better and then make ourselves feel good. Recovery is not only about stopping painful feelings, it is about creating a good life for ourselves. We don't have to deny ourselves activities that help us feel good. Going to meetings, basking in the sun, exercising, taking a walk, or spending time with a friend or activities that may help us feel good. We each have our own list. If we don't, we're now free to explore, experiment, and develop that list. When we find a behavior or activity that produces a good feeling, put it on the list. Then do it frequently. Let's stop denying ourselves good feelings and start doing things that make us feel good. Today, I will do one activity or behavior that I know will create a good feeling for me. If I'm uncertain about what I like, I will experiment with one behavior today. So guys, my challenge to you on this shit show Saturday or whatever shit show day you're listening to this to. What are you going to do to make yourself feel good? What is something fun or, you know, a self-care? What the hell are you going to do for yourself today? Okay, I, I need you guys to do at least one thing that will produce good feelings. And I, so Saturday, tomorrow, I plan on going to get my nails done. And I plan on working out. So those are two things, at least that I am going to do that will make me feel good. So that's my challenge to you all. What the hell are you going to do today to make yourself feel good other than this podcast? Okay, that doesn't count. This podcast doesn't, doesn't count. Well, hopefully this podcast does produce a good feelings for you. I know that um, this can be true. This The podcast can be triggering for people at sometimes. But generally speaking, I hope I hope listening to this podcast is something that makes you feel good. Uh, But that doesn't count. You got to give me one other thing. So all right, shitties. Happy, happy shit show Saturday.
2: All right, y'all. Welcome back to shit show Saturday. And in true shit show fashion, I am in an airport. And today, you're going to get to hear from the first ever Andrea family member, my first cousin once removed, Lori. Hi. Hi. Let's start it off with a few questions. So, what song do you want played when you walk
3: in a room? Um. How about um, How about Thunderstruck? acdc oh, Okay, perfect. Um, what is your favorite carb? Ooh, right now I'm into high chews, like a very high sugar content candy. What about cheese? Favorite cheese? My favorite cheese is Emo's um, Is Emo's cheese, our local pizza joint here in the St. Louis area. What kind of cheese is
2: that? It's a Provel type cheese. Okay, what about condiment? Condiment... I would have to say yum yum sauce. Oh yeah, you told me that. Yes, yum yum sauce. Yep. Okay, last question. So, would you rather have to wear the same pair of underwear for the rest of your life, or never eat pizza ever again?
3: Ooh. Can you wash the underwear?
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I'll say yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd say um, I'd say one pair of underwear for the rest of my life.
2: I think I probably would still pick it, even if I couldn't wash it. I just stopped wearing it. Not everybody wears underwear. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. If that was an option. (laughs) (laughs) So when we connected, I don't know, back in the fall, you've been kind of going through an awakening. Yes. Kind of coming to terms with various things prior to you beginning on this journey. What was your perception, your narrative, like around your childhood? Like, did you consider it dysfunctional? Yes, you always did.
3: Oh well, yeah, I'd say always. Um, it was um, it was pretty dysfunctional, but we, our family and our close friends would uh laugh about it and it was a it was just a running joke you know like because we're in denial you know what I mean yeah well well not just that like you don't
2: know any different exactly it's your earliest childhood memory or one that's like of note
3: um I'd say (laughs) the so one of my youngest memories was we lived um we lived in like this trailer community. My mom was single um, before she married Mark. And um, so I don't know, I was probably maybe five. And I remember trying to get her attention on the phone, my mom's attention on the phone. And she (laughs) picked up this half full gallon of milk and just slings it towards me (laughs) because I was bugging her. Like at the time I just thought, oh my gosh, I really messed up here, you know? Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So it was just like really um, unexpected type explosions or reactions like that early on. And, you know, it was so inconsistent because you never knew, you know, what was gonna trigger her.
2: Just so people know, so Lori's mom and my grandmother was his, our sisters yeah, we right. sisters our sisters and yeah, right. mom is still alive um so okay and, and just generally speaking did you feel so then she married when your mom married Mark do you feel like did kind of the tension go down at all did things seem more normal or still just as chaotic
3: actually um <clears throat> I was only I was only seven when they got married okay but every, whenever I go back, like way back into my early, early adolescence to kind of figure things out for me, right, um, I, I always kind of wonder if, um, if she hadn't married Mark, if she wouldn't have been as bad. Really? Because she had like the ultimate enabler in my dad. And he um, validated it. I mean, constantly, you know, like we were, he was always afraid to take our side because it was just going to be hell for him. Was she, you say she's bipolar? Yes. Was she ever diagnosed? Yeah. And I don't know if it was kind of like a borderline or if it was, um, bipolar and I don't know what medication she was taking. What role did you play? I felt I felt like I had my stuff going on, you know? So like I was that kid, you know, like I was in all of the activities, um, you know, the sporting activities, you know, the, you know, cheerleading, pom-pom squad or whatever, you know, in junior high and I was happy, go lucky. And, you know, I had really good, solid friendships. So that was kind of like me. And then if I can start off with my brother, he's three years older than I am. And he has a a serious rebellious side. Yeah, not very much respect for authority. But um, he was in like trouble trouble with like the law and like school administration okay so he's that kind of kid and then my sister she had extremely low self-esteem um she just was you know she just had an extremely low level of self-esteem and so she was depressed from the onset and um Sure. She reminds. She was very, 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 very similar to my mom. So um, their personalities were the same. My mom went through the same um, exact self esteem issues where they felt picked on all the time. Very, very sensitive. So my mom and my sister were were caught up in that. Roger or myself, we would always be the ones in trouble because she was always protecting Karen around this nice bubble. Did she drink much? She, she would drink a glass or two of wine, I'd say every night, which is kind of weird because I didn't think about it like ever, you know, (laughs) until I got sober. When was the first time that you considered that you might have a drinking problem um like for real for real, and not just joking i'd say I'd say it actually um hit me seriously, and I didn't do anything about it um but I think it probably hit me seriously when Ali was about fourteen, and was there a particular incident that occurred? well, Allison was at the age where they were talking about um alcoholism. And, you know, they were asking the, you know, children what their home lives were like, they were sending home literature on drinking in the household. So I would, you know, I would, I would take note of that. And then I'd say that's about when I really started thinking, if you can't, like, you know, like in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you're not quitting when your daughter is asking you or begging you to. And here's the thing with that. Every single person that we hung out with and all of our kids, you know, all of the kids in our small town, they pretty much, you know, hang out. But then like as a village, we all know where our kids are all the time. And our particular group were, you know, like, you know, we all had boats and we like to, you know, have fun. And every, you know, everything we did was a drinking situation. Yeah. So it's so easy to normalize it. Yeah. And so then comparing yourself to other parents, you're like, well, so-and-so falls down the steps every other day. You
2: know, so, so you're fine. Do you want to just talk about what happened that led you on a road to, to start really trying a healing... You know, starting your healing journey.
3: Yeah. So, um, in yeah, in January of 2019, I lost my job, and you know, there was a little bit of COVID. It was a whole lot of retaliation. It must have been 2020 then. Well, COVID didn't come around until yeah, you're right, March. You you know what you're right. Like, you're
2: just you're just blaming it on COVID. That's what you're doing. You're exactly right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you're right. I got caught. No, but it was a it was a serious like retaliation. So there was a lot of buildup of um, it was it was a year and a half of him documenting things. You know what I mean? Putting things in action because I went over his boss's, or because I went over his head to his boss, but his boss was a really good friend of mine. So it was just, it was a personality thing on top of me, you know, not giving a shit because I could just go home and take a drink, you know? So that was like a year and a half of just like pounding on my self-esteem and making me feel like I was worthless. And I had always been like, seriously, seriously, super confident in what I did and I was really good at what I did. So over a span of a year and a half to two years, I allowed myself to get taken down to nothing and I was remolded by this individual so by a coworker, this is a coworker. Okay? It's my, it was my boss. And so anyway, he was, he's one of the more tenure employees at this company. So I, um, I didn't even have a, a human resource leg to stand on. It was, it was a really, it was a serious situation. So anyway, instead of quitting, I. Let my ego <laughs> take over and stick it out because I wasn't going to let him take me down. So that whole thing right there um, really, really started the spiraling, I would call it, you know? So I was over, I mean, I was overcoming that. Um, I had already three, four years prior. I had already gone through a um, traumatic situation with my mom being sick for an extended period of time um, and taking a toll on my dad. So I had already kind of picked up the drinking quite a bit when my mom was going through that because I would just, I would just pull a bottle of vodka into the hospital room with me if I had to spend the night because I had to sleep, you know? So when I lost my job, then um, I didn't give myself time to breathe or to get myself healthy enough. So I wasn't me at all. Like my entire soul was gone. So um, immediately this company picked me up. You know, it was a distributor of mine. So, of course, you know, that was just an easy transition for everybody. Right. So um, so I went over to there but I didn't have any, any of left to be successful. I was, I, I didn't know how to be creative. I didn't have confidence. I didn't need, I didn't have anything that I needed to do my job. Um, you know, successfully. So that brought me down even lower at that point, I was just very fragile anyway, and didn't even, you know, I didn't know it. Um, I just kept falling deeper and deeper into this hole. So when I realized, I just, I sat down and one day, and I just realized I was fucking up this opportunity that somebody so, you know, gracefully, I mean, just, I don't know, It was just, um, I just went over to a really, really good company and I failed. So right then I'm like, I have got to uh, figure me out. Like it just hit me that everything that made me successful was no longer in me. And it also hit me that, that like me, I'm not even in here. I, like I don't feel like I even have a soul. Um so then I kind of I I just I snapped out, you know, and I I made an appointment with a psychiatrist and I made an appointment with a therapist where they work side by side and they got me in within I think a 2 week period and coincidentally that 2 week period was falling right into Labor Day weekend and um so that's a that's a heavy 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 party Situation. So I had already set things in motion and then I ended up drinking that weekend. And I'm like, because I was just going to drink a few. And that's just not possible for me. So I ended up drinking and getting drunk a couple of nights when I should be worried about my pancreas. Yeah, I also had pancreatitis twice. So instead of worrying about my pancreas, my health, you know, my existence for not only myself, but everybody who relies on me, that made me feel even worse. But then I also realized that I can't just have one. It's just not, it's not going to (laughs) happen. Yeah. I just said I wasn't going to have any more and I didn't. That was in September of 2020, September 8th, 2020. I think what's good for you is that with you realizing that, um, that you're an alcoholic,
2: I think you also are having the realization a lot sooner than a lot of people do that. It's much larger than that. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that a lot of it is trauma-based. And I think that you are somebody that you never considered what you went through as trauma
3: probably. Right. No, no, not, you know, well, I mean, I take that back a little bit because when you're in, um, when you're kind of in that situation and like you go to hang out at your friends, families and things like that, you start thinking about it, you know, especially when you're trembling and things like that, I guess when you get more, educated in health, maybe. I don't know. I don't remember when, you know, I would have these thoughts. But on the other hand, you know, you laughed it off. You know, I mean, it was crazy. So it, you know, you just made fun of it. So yeah, I didn't even I I didn't really think much about the um, effects of what it would do to me until I read um, Body Keeps the Score.
2: So, I mean, I don't really want to go into it in any detail, but you are in a situation where I'm sure a lot of listeners can relate to and a lot of dysfunctional families can relate to, like where you don't have relationships with your siblings. Can you talk about like what that experience has been like for you?
3: Um I get very emotional still. It's hard. Um it's just sad. And um, it's, uh, it's just unexplainable that it's just sad. We were all caught up in this awfulness. And I, you know, I, I don't think anybody was, um, <clears throat> I am so sorry, You're <laughs> You're right sorry away. about this. Um, yeah, I've just been uh, working. Hmm, I've been working on this since. I quit drinking to, and especially after my dad died, when that happened, it threw me into an, ever, an even um, bigger spiral. But then when I, I kind of had a breakdown um, and after my dad died, I just 100% lost it. Um, but what was going through my mind Everything was going through my mind. I couldn't stop it. And, um, but the one recurring thing that kept going through my mind is how fucked up this whole thing has been and how awful it was to allow it to continue knowing it was hurting our parents. Mm-hmm. So I, I, um, gosh, it's so hard to explain because there are so many innocent parties and it was a fucked up situation, no matter who you are. And there were so many of us, you know, but anyway, that's why it's just so, um, it's hard to get over. Yeah.
2: Not to mention large family, you guys all live in the same area.
3: Exactly. And we're all we're all rooted in each other because of our kids. I mean, my daughter, she lost out on so much. And um, she was, um, she was just becoming a teenager when all of that happened. So it's right at, you know, that state of confusion that we all still have, but it's even more severe you know, when they're reaching puberty and, um, you know, it, she's not the only one that missed out on so much, you know? Yeah. The
2: kids, yeah. The kids really suffered. Um, so what has been one of the most, um, helpful tools to whether it's a book or meditation or meetings, what do you feel like is something that's really been a very instrumental part of your
3: healing journey thus far? Um, honestly, (laughs) podcasts, like I didn't, I, I was in my car all the time. You know, I was always driving because I was in sales and my therapist, um, recommended Jay Shetty Mm -hmm. podcast. And, uh, so I started listening to him. And at the same time, right around the same time frame, your mom sent me um, a message that you had your podcast and I should listen to it. So this is all going on at the same time. So when I started listening to your podcast, I'm seeing myself in some of your stories, you know, to a (laughs) T. so I uh I don't know I I then I was just so impressed you know I kept listening and it all just fit every single you know story fit and at the same time I'm dealing with guilt on how my yeah. daughter is Daughter's impacted yeah you know just all of her you know years of growing up and now she's 24 and I I opened my eyes up to the pain she must've been going through and confusion and you know, all that kind of stuff. So, um, I lost track again. Sorry. Podcast. Podcast. Yeah. Just, oh yeah. Going from that to the podcast, they really help.
2: That's the best I'd say. Um, okay. Last but not least, give me a good shit show
3: story. Um, I'm sure you got plenty. So (laughs) shit show story. We can go back to, I don't know, I was in college. So maybe maybe I was 20 okay. and I was out of college enough. Um, I Well, not out of college. I, I think it was around the time period that my childhood best friend mm-hmm. and I got together. She, li- she just moved into an apartment in downtown Belleville. And um, we didn't have care in the world. So anyway, we go to a grocery store and we pick up a bottle, a fifth of Pepe Lopez uh, tequila. You Was know that cheap? You Was know that cheap?
2: <laughs> yeah, super cheap. Never heard of that. Pepe yeah. Lopez? What the heck is that? Pepe Lopez. We still talk Ooh, about it. That's like <laughs> a drag queen's name <laughs> or something. Pepe Lopez. <laughs> so this is okay, we talk about. So you drink
3: the pepe. So we bought eight limes and we made 32 wedges of uh limes to go with each shot we were about to start partaking in. It was a matter. Of, <clears throat> we must have finished that bottle, I'd say, I don't know, an hour and a half maybe, maybe an hour. So <laughs> blackout you know I only remember certain things of like falling into the grass or taking a leak behind a bush something like that right so (laughs) we end up at this party and it was about mm, walking distance to a gay bar in Belleville (laughs) so I I um (laughs) I had a Volkswagen at the time and you had to disconnect the seatbelt. You had to you had to actually put the seatbelt in before the car would even start, right? So so I I didn't have my seatbelt on. I couldn't start the car. I think that was God looking over me on that deal. So I'm broke down. I walk to this gay bar and I'm by myself. And I'm uh, sitting on this bar stool. This lady offers me a drink. And I, oh, by the way, I did not realize this was a gay bar. I just went in there to use their phone. Okay. So she was trying to pick you up. Yeah. And I'm sitting at the bar just thinking, oh, you know, these, you know, this ought to be fun. There's a lot of people in here. There's good music going on in the back. And uh, so she's hitting on me, but I didn't know it. I just thought she was the sweetest person in the world. Yeah.
2: <laughs> of course you did.
3: <laughs> so, um, so I don't know. I think I had called Tim before I realized it was gay bar, maybe. Um, so anyway, so I go to call Tim and he's like, what? <laughs> I don't know. I think it may have been called Faces, something like that. But he's like, where are you? He's like, oh, my God. So he came and got me. Um, (laughs) but as he was uh as he was coming to get me I had like 20 minutes to spare (laughs) so of course I had to have a couple of drinks and go to the restroom which was on the way to the separate dance area where all the girls were dancing and stuff but it was a, it was a really good experience
2: good I bet you felt wonderful the next day <laughs> I know, I was... Pepe Lopez Pe- do you have Pepe Lopez ever again um
3: hell probably
2: <laughs> I gotta look it up Pepe Lopez well this has been lovely see look you can share so I encourage you to share at a meeting since you said you don't want to
3: you're right I know. I need encouragement on that. Okay. I'm. Really I will shame. I will shame
2: you until you do.
3: Good. That's what I need. <laughs> I really do. I need a swift kick in the ass. So, well, thank you so much. It's been lovely.
1: Thanks. It was great seeing you. Well, that wraps up Shit Show Saturday. As always. Sign up for the Patreon. That is where I host weekly support groups. And it's where you say thanks, Andrea, for all that you do. Patreon.com slash adult child. Follow me on TikTok and Instagram at adult adultchildpod. And give me a damn five-star rating on Apple and Spotify. And I will see y'all shit shows on Wednesday. Bye.
0: Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio.